Hello, I'm Dorian Linsky. And I'm Ian Dunn. We are the hosts of Origin Story, the podcast that unpacks the history behind the ideas, the people and the events that shape political discourse today. And we are back for season five. We're kicking off with a two-parter on George Orwell, the man, the work, the ideas. We follow him from Burma to Spain, through Second World War London, to the writing of his masterpieces Animal Farm and 1984, and how their legacy is used and misused today. That's Origin Story Season 5, coming now from anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to an Oh God What Now emergency broadcast. I am Alex Andreu. At the same time we were recording our main podcast, Boris Johnson's cabinet was being frog-marched Downing Street for a reshuffle. As someone unkindly pointed out, if you stare a vat of shite, all you get is more shite. Dominic Raab lost his job at the Foreign Office to be replaced by Liz Truss. Robert Buckland lost his job as Justice Secretary to be replaced by Dominic Raab who has also been appointed Lord Chancellor, Deputy Prime Minister, Secretary of State for Lilos, and least <laughs> likely to accept made-up titles when demoted. In a shock move, Gavin Williamson was sacked as Education <gasps> Secretary. He will be missed by satirists. He was replaced by Nadim Zahawi. And Oliver Dowden has been shuffled sideways to co-chair the Tory party and is replaced in the vital culture, sport, media and digital brief by... I still cannot say the name, maybe later on the podcast. (laughs) Joining me in the virtual studio to discuss this merry-go-round of malcontents are Ian Dunt and Naomi Smith. Hello, Ian. Hello, 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 hello. And how hello, you, How Naomi. are you feeling about your, um, <laughs> oh, you don't, about your future don't, career in the arts? Don't, <laughs> really don't. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, which move caught your eye the most and why? Well, it's boring, but you obviously have to go for um, Dominic Raab getting sent to justice. Um, Buckland was one of the few... I mean, he wasn't good exactly, but he was at least on the more moderate end of the spectrum. And you saw, you know, for a long time, they were like, we're going to attack uh, judicial review. And they did attack judicial review. But in the end, with these various ouster clauses that he did, it was all pretty incremental, quite slow. It wasn't this kind of burn it all down approach that we saw from Pretty Patel and from others. Mm. So on that, you thought, well, okay, so, you know, th- this ain't great. It's a, it's walking in the wrong direction, but it's not, you know, fucking running at it, you know, all guns blazing. So, uh, you know, to swap him out for Rob is a problem. You know, Rob has a very long history of wanting to attack the Human Rights Act, European Convention of Human Rights from which it originates. There's some mm. restraint on him by virtue of, ironically, the Brexit deal they themselves signed, but not that much restraint that they can't start doing some very serious fucking about. But more than that, it was just this sense of just moral despair, at, you know, a, a way of running a country where the justice system, the, the national justice system is considered a consolation prize that you throw out to someone when they've catastrophically fucked up in another department. <laughs> so that in itself is quite hard to swallow. Yes, you failed at this entirely, so have this one to fail at entirely. Naomi, it was interesting to look at the Conservative home polling um, mm. because basically the almost all the bottom people were gone and the top people got promoted. 
and that survey places Liz Truss at the very top of net yes. satisfaction among yes. Tory voters. Why does she poll so highly with them? What do they see that we don't? <laughs> well, um, you're right. She is right at the top of that list. I think the last poll of, of Conhome members or certain you know readers put her on a net satisfaction of plus 85 mm-hmm. um and right down at the bottom yes lots of the people that have been reshuffled but actually johnson himself has fallen right down that that ranking as well no. um and he's sort of you know net net positive satisfaction of about 13 percent or even under that i think um, obviously, Williamson there with a staggering kind of minus minus fifty percent or something. Um, so Johnson himself will have been concerned about his own popularity with party members because we know how ruthless the Conservative Party are at getting rid of leaders. Um, and for for such a long time, he was the the one that the party faithful adored and would queue up round the block for mm, at a fringe mm. meeting. I think people even used to sleep out overnight to try and get into his fringes at. At, at um, Tory party conference, but trust. Um, I believe. Look, I think, and then I believe think, they're qualified to comment on homelessness. <laughs> no doubt. I think they see trust as some kind of modern day Thatcher, oh. because she's northern. She went to a state school. She's a free marketeer, and you know she isn't afraid to do a kind of very very cringy press stunty. Yeah. thing and you know all the rest of it in terms of uh, you know and, and so so in that respect she is a free market ideologue interestingly I think she did start out her sort of political life in the Liberal Democrats or the Young Liberals or something as a student but um, she has been very effective at talking up a, a series a, a series of deals that are basically nothing paste. more she can do a control paste. C control V yeah quicker than anyone yeah. so well, uh, do you expect her to bring anything to the Foreign Office brief, except perhaps a sandwich and a Capri Sun in a SpongeBob SquarePants lunchbox. <laughs> well, and, and that sandwich definitely won't have mayonnaise in it because apparently she's not like that. Um, I don't know. Jury's out on that. Obviously, you know, at Better Britain, we've been following her work very closely in the, the trade brief because of the Australia trade deal in particular that our Trade and Business Commission scrutinized and made recommendations for improvement mm. on. She's a, I mean, look, she was sort of you know notionally a remainer but has certainly uh rejected that label since then uh, we'll we'll wait and see on the foreign mm-hmm. the foreign office thing i think um uh, uh, you know her, her replacement in trade is quite concerning to me for various reasons one amory trevelyan definitely a eurosceptic very hardened mm. but um also as i understand it a bit of a climate change skeptic and that concerns me because if the balance of our trade is going to move away from our nearest trading partners towards those f- further away that is going to have a detrimental impact on our our, our carbon uh, leadership in the world and she obviously is probably somebody that doesn't care too much about that. So I think mm. that, that's worrying for the world, not just for the UK. Ian, what do you think of the timing of the reshuffle? It was sandwiched between an opposition vote on universal credit and that big announcement of the UK-US-Australia defence cooperation agreement. There were also some raised eyebrows that it came at the very final stages of the spending review. Departments are literally in the middle of negotiating their budget for the next three years. And there were some people questioning whether, um, you know, bringing a new Secretary of State into a department 
uh, at this stage might basically end up shafting it budget-wise. What do you think? I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, my main thoughts were really with what it says for the election. Mm. You certainly get the sense that this is the team that will lead the Tories into the next election. That doesn't mean we need to get over it sort of excited and think, well, that definitely means it's happening in the next year. I mean, probably it is, you know, going to happen according to the timetable that we thought of sometime in 2023, um, yeah. probably in May 2023. But, you yeah. you know, even looking at it, it because it involves some big names and, I, and because I think surprisingly, figures like Williamson actually went to the back benches rather than being given another position on the front bench. People sort of thought, well, this is actually quite a meaty, big one. I mean, but ultimately, when you look at it, you know, the vast majority of people are staying in place. It's really just a handful. I mean, literally sort of a handful of sort of big names that have shifted around. And it looks like an election footing. And it's not entirely, I mean, most of the time you can sort of see, you can just about see the argument, obviously not with Nadine Dorries. I suppose with Nadine Dorries, you would say she's written a book and she's been on reality TV, so therefore she understands culture. No. Sorry, um, still too soon. Still too soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back in a month and we'll do a special related emergency podcast on that topic. Um, and with Buckland, you can't. You know, Buckland's just the, the victim of being someone who is fairly harmless, so he had to go to make to make way. So you you think there is there is some credibility to the speculation that Buckland basically the main reason he want is to make a vacancy to demote Rab into. Oh, absolutely. No, he's done nothing. I mean, look, you look at the other people that have been chucked out. I mean, Gavin Williamson hasn't made it through, I, I don't think, a single month in that post without a really major scandal against him. The same with, you know, Jenrick, who's been pursued by Slee's allegations. I mean, that, that is just not the case for Buckland, whichever way you look at it. I mean, he had a pretty clean mm. record. He was shifted out, in, you know, in order to get Rob there. Liz Truss, you can argue that the same thing is happening to her that once happened to Boris Johnson, you know, which is you're flying quite high. Uh, admittedly astonishing yeah, to me exactly. that someone of her caliber exactly. could be considered to be flying high but she is so you you put her in the foreign office which is you know makes you feel really good about yourself one of the great officers of state but is well off to the side where you can't make too much of a mess of things unless of course your your military operations in afghanistan happen to end while you're on holiday mm-hmm. and so and really that was what Theresa may did with boris johnson it didn't work for Theresa may funnily enough i think it probably would work for, for boris johnson but this looks like an election team to me and in fact when you see the you know, the stuff that was in the Telegraph. And in fact, you see, look at what's happening with Oliver Dowden being sent as, you know, as chairman. Mm. To up together. That looks like you're thinking, right, we're going for an election, probably 2023. Um, I mean, mm. that makes sense from where we are right now. Naomi, do any of the appointments signal a change in policy, do you think? Or are they just a change of personnel? Um, I think it might signal a change of deliver on some policy. And I think the one to watch for that, therefore, is Gove, Mm. who now has this quite extraordinary brief where he's at communities and local government. He's got the housing brief, uh, but he's also keeping elections and and various other bits. Oh, Um, don't forget the union. He's going to save the union in his spare time. He's saving the union. And I think it was only a couple of days ago that it was announced that he was the man tasked with making sure Christmas doesn't get cancelled and therefore trying to unblock some of the supply shortages. So, you know, quite, quite a bizarre. But, but I think what that probably is, is a signal of shit we need to deliver domestically. He is competent. We might not like him, but he is 
arguably the only competent member uh, of the last cabinet and, and, and potentially this one too. And so it's about delivering on levelling up and keeping the country together. That's a big, big, big signal, I think. Mm. I don't think it's a policy change, but I think it's a, we are failing on this. The country sees that we are failing on it. We promised all of our red wall backbenchers that, that we would deliver on this stuff. We haven't. In fact, we've slid back and most of those areas are suffering even more and will so, of course, even more once the uh, universal credit uplift goes, furlough ends, uh, and we see national um, insurance contributions changing next April. So I think put the big beast in there, make him responsible for failing to deliver on that if they continue to, um, which of course also you know skews his chances of replacing Johnson in the same way that Johnson will have been worried about trust. So he's got a difficult big brief. Um, uh, the rest, I, I, I feel, is, as Ian says, uh, just gearing up for, for trying to get through the next election. I think that's all fun, by the way, but I, but I also wonder whether he's... You see, Gove was good in justice. This is the thing we always sort of end up clinging to. You know, he was, when you give him this spot, this department well away from stuff, he would actually typically approach it in a fairly sort of, I mean, I know teachers will, will resent me saying this because of how he was at the Department of Education. But he'll spend an awful lot of time talking to people, very often experts, despite what he lent or went on to say, and then come to a solution. But it was, it's when he had control over a department. I think what's going to mess him up with levelling up is, you don't have a little fiefdom. You're essentially in a coordination position across government on some really difficult, expensive projects that would take a very long time, you know, several parliaments in order to fulfill. And on that, you just can't see that he's going to be able to deliver on any of it, really. I think it's a a hospital pass, really. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to say there are tons of better people on the Tory backbenches, but there are certainly smarter people. There are more experienced people. There are sort of bigger beasts. There are people who have spoken with integrity on various issues, most recently Afghanistan. And they have been largely ignored. And the one... The one common strand that I can see in these appointments is that they're all Johnson fans. Are there actually advantages to a servile cabinet, even though we hate its direction, is it actually quite a smart move to just have a a cabinet of idiots that just nod along? People often say that, I mean, you often find sort of kind of august, you know, grave commentators sort of say this sort of thing. And I just think that's just completely wrong as a functioning principle of how to run Mm. any organization. What you want is people who disagree and have an independent mind. But their case, I mean, it's your job then, if you're the boss, to have the authority to, in the end, make a decision. You know, but you want to be filled with people who raise problems, who raise objections. That's how you see, even on just a basic policy processing uh, level, the flaws in policy, the errors and things that you're doing, rather than just closing yourself in, you know, what's frankly an echo chamber. And it's like, like, look, we lost a lot of talent from the Tory benches at the last election during the purge. You know, any really sort of impressive one they should be. But there's still there's still people there, like you say, who are impressive, like Tom Tugendhat. I mean, most of them are, you know, sort of in the select committee system mm. but you see them across i mean even robert halfham neil o'brien i mean there's david davis right there you know he's got all the credentials on brexit i mean imagine in some in some well not an ideal world yeah. my least of all the bad <laughs> realistic worlds you know you'd have david davis in the in the home office but you know yeah. that is just it's not considered possible there are all from this very there, there are people basically who would improve the decision making there are people who would make a positive contribution to you know, whatever needs to be uh, 
thrashed out in cabinet, and they're just not there. Naomi, Carrie Johnson was trending at the height <laughs> of the reshuffle yesterday. Can we sense her hand in this at all? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, she's clearly an influential figure in, in the Prime Minister's life. She is, what do we know about her? We know that, yeah, she will She will be trying to protect him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she had been giving him advice on a lot of this. I don't know. I mean, look, what do we really know about her in terms of her credentials? We know that she is concerned about animal welfare stuff. So she probably did bash heads with some people working on trade deals that was going mm. to you know, allow animals into the country that had been kept and slaughtered in ways that we, we don't currently tolerate here, etc. But beyond that, I'm not really sure. Ian might have a, a better view on that. But well, I, the person I don't that did those to... deals was promoted. So I, well, <laughs> I don't but Yes, I don't but out, out of the brief where she does the harm of it. Hmm. But, but I don't know. I don't know. Ian, um, okay, let me just prepare myself. Nadine Dorries, there, I said. <laughs> oh, well done. Um, we are doing well today. Uh, a, a woman, nine o'clock. A woman, who famously, a woman who famously took off on a full MP salary without telling her constituents or her party to go eat kangaroo arse on reality TV is now in charge of the Department for Culture, Media, Digital and Sport. Is this the day's trolling appointment, basically, on the same day Jess Brammer is formally appointed head of BBC News, or is there more to it? First of all, can we just quickly say the Jess Brammer news is very, very good news. And and it was really encouraging in the middle of watching that reshuffle to see it happen. And it's not just good news, by the way, because for her, although, you know, all the evidence you hear from journalists around her, she stands up for her journalists. That's what she's done. And that's the kind of activity you want in journalism. Mm-hmm. It's good news on a basic institutional level of the fact that the BBC is demonstrating enough spine to commit to that appointment, despite getting the fucking full salvo attack from the Daily Mail and and from others and the government ministers. So that really, really was very good news. I was genuinely pleased by that. Um, Nadine Dorries is, it, it is a trolling appointment, but the thing is, the Secretary of State in that job is essentially the Secretary of State for culture war trolling. Right. That's what they're meant to do. And in fact, yeah. and, I, and I think in an effective way, I think that is something that the, the membership of the Tory party likes. But to a certain extent, the, the potential voters of the Tory party likes Now We know her record on this. It's very, very fucking long. You know, she she is she I mean, she is at, at least to her, she is just as stupid as she makes out to be. And she is just and her politics are just as twisted and foolhardy as she states them to be. She's not pretending as Boris Johnson is. I mean, I really think she is. She is what she presents herself as. And she will complain about, you know, wokeness and the BBC and and on and on and snowflake. She will use all of these words without even quote marks. You know, she will be exactly that. And that is not an accident. That is why she has been put into that position. So, I mean, I think if we thought Dowden was bad, and Dowden was, I mean, that was some fucking... Uh, very quietly, very subtly, in these little letters he was writing to enter charity, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. some fan level filth that he was. Yeah, he was with. the one that really surprised me of the last cabinet, actually, by how awful, um, as in abrasive, he was. Because uh, I didn't expect it. I, yeah. I thought he was, you know, because of his mild manner, he gives a completely different impression. But he was mm-hmm. actually a, a, a top troll. Um, a, a, a final question to both of you. Uh, most junior appointments have, have not been announced yet, but any rumours or any any that have been announced that have caught your eye. 
And the second part to that, is there anyone that should have reshuffled of the ministerial coil but didn't? Well, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this is not your government, Ian. So he, he, in those parameters, is there someone that's, you know, I mean, Priti Patel is a very obvious example yeah. of someone that has a bad record. But is there any other ins or or expected outs that didn't happen that, that surprised either of you? No, but I'm bracing myself for Mark Francois getting something if the Dory's oh, point is anything to go by. I don't think so. I mean, to be honest, I, to give some sort of semblance of, of credit, I mean, this is the lowest credit you could imagine because people should be sacked when they can't do the job. We shouldn't have to wait years for them to be quietly reshuffled out. But, you know, even just getting rid of Williamson in general, I mean, was it is, is, shows a bit more decisiveness and willingness to get, to, to get rid of sort of failures than Boris Johnson has shown so far. You know, this is, this mm. is as decisive as, as we've seen him be. It's not very decisive. It still results with, you know, Dominic Raab coming out as if he's a Game of Thrones characters just covered in job titles. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, it, it's also some element of decisiveness. And you look down the rest of the list... And, that, you know, there are people who are, I mean, Teresa Kofi, for instance. Who, Teresa Kofi looks like she, she's been in cabinet, I mean, on and off for a very long time now. And throughout yeah, the entirety yeah. of that period, she looks like she's been half asleep. And, mm. you know, it's not good. What is happening under her watch is, is not good. And it looks like an absolute problem waiting to hit her, especially on universal credit. But you, you're nowhere near that sort of the, the Williamson level of just, you know, you can wake up on a Monday morning and you can be damn sure his name will be in the newspaper somewhere for having catastrophically fucked something up. The, I mean, the, the flip side to that, of course, is that for two years, this prime minister thought that Gavin Williamson was still the right person to lead schools yes. through a pandemic. To shuffle him out at the tail end of that seems to me quite a strange decision. And, and that no one else was really sacked, you know, uh, mm. because God forbid that there would actually be standards that you would hold ministers accountable to and for, uh, and of course the Prime Minister himself would probably fall foul of those immediately, so just can't be seen to sack. Um, yeah. Hence why he's had to pretzel himself into various different shapes with giving Rob all these different appointments. Yes, and can, um, I, can I quickly I, add to that, actually? There's, there's a bit of a weird twist, really, with with those jobs that he's given to Rob, because if he's Lord Chancellor, he's supposed to be protecting the independence of the judiciary, right? And one of the things you protect the judiciary from is the executive. But the other yeah. title he got given was Deputy Prime Minister. So yeah. you're right that I mean, I know they'll do it as which hat are you wearing today, as if, oh, he's just so judicious and yeah, so disinterested that he can stand above it all. But you're like, really, if you have some proper sort of constitutional respect, you would not be sticking these job titles together. Uh, I, I'd, I'll tell you what, I'd like to contribute one name very quickly to the conversation, who is expert at staying out of the firing line. Grant Chaps, I yeah. think he's done a truly awful job as uh, Secretary of State for Transport. A lot of what is going on right now with shortages with HGV drivers is entirely his fault to see it coming and deal with it. And there he is on a sort of two-minute appointment with a PM and came out beaming uh, smiles. So... There you like go. A travel system that you need a PhD to try and understand whether you're allowed to go on holiday. Yes. <laughs> and that's the end of our emergency reshuffle kerfuffle pod. Our weekly edition will be out later today for patrons and on Friday morning more widely. Thank you for listening.